Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favor and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this after lodge banter. <laughs> Sunshine in a bag, I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on. I ain't happy, I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on. Finally, someone let me out of my cage Now, time for me is nothing cause I'm counting no A's Nah, I couldn't be there Nah, you shouldn't be scared I'm good at repairs And I'm under each snare Intangible Bet you didn't think so I command you to Welcome to episode 167 of the After Lodge Podcast Brought to you on the heels of What ended up being a, uh What would you call it, Bruce? A deluge? The, the pre-deluvian era? Uh, the Great Flood, the sideways rain that washed away our fair. Most of most of the tents were still standing. The, the customers were not, but the tents were. Well, some of them we, we put together pretty well. Um, for those of you who missed the, the last show, we actually broadcasted live from the fair. Uh, and if you can look past the sound quality, because we were all on smartphones in Tony's truck, uh, hiding from what was later the rain. It wasn't raining at the time. Uh, turned out to be pretty funny. We, we doctored it up enough so that it's something close to listenable. So if you go back and check out 166, uh, you can hear the, the fun going on at the fair. Now we are all pleased with the content of that show. Yeah, it, it came out better than we thought it was going to. Um, and then the rain started and it didn't stop and all of our money washed away with it. And it was pretty much an epic disaster after the show was over. So, uh, but we had a good time. Uh, you know, you guys got the mud wrestle while you took the stage apart, and uh, um, I got to try to plead my case before the city of why there's no money. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the the food guy trying to leave early because he's not selling anything, but uh, he was like, "Cut the band loose. Nobody's here. We had to move everybody inside uh, at some point because of the storms." Uh, I watched our, our carnival guy getting yelled at by somebody, some little kid's mom, because the Ferris wheel is shut down. And she's screaming about, why is the Ferris wheel shut down? I bought this bracelet. And then there's, like, lightning flashing in the background. 
and he just points at the sky and then like shakes his head in exasperation and walks off. Uh, all this happening in the pouring rain, mind you. Like this woman had her child like in the rain. And most um, of those rides would have run fine in the rain, but you know, you, you try to explain to them it's because of the lightning. Yep. So we were dreading doing this event in May because uh, lightning, and well, there it was. And we did it in May, and then there was lightning. Yep. It's Hopefully, our May. next fair coming up at the end of June, um, the bigger one, uh, won't get rained out. So I forgot to introduce our our special guest for the evening, uh, mostly because I don't think of him as a special guest because we see him quite a bit. Uh, but we have Scotty from the block. Hello. Or, Pain Scott. Sensei, or whatever you want to call him. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's so, been a while. I haven't been on this new format. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you've been on the show since we stopped recording at Lodge. Yeah, I got in trouble a couple times coming coming home smelling like a smoke room. So, Yeah, we got that a lot. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, I think Jeff... Uh, Jeff feels that way when he comes home from Lodge, even though, like, most people go outside now because, you know, it's a more considerate place than it used to be, and, uh, but he goes out with everyone. <laughs> right. I do the same thing, too. I think he likes the secondhand high, so uh, <laughs> he's just, it's kind of weird when you're, like, you're watching him go around everybody that's smoking, and he's, like, inhaling their exhales, and it's, it's kind of strange. I just don't like his face being that close to mine. Yeah, yeah. So Scott, it's uh, it's it's typical on this show when when we have uh, a, a guest who's been on before for them to tell us everything they've done masonically since they've been on the last time. Oh, good lord! For you, that's uh, been not as long as others, but maybe about a year. Maybe. Um, last time I was on was I think for the Master Mason degree you guys did, and I was there at your lodge until like. Two three in the morning. Oh yeah, yeah. That was the deer. The deer barbecue night. That's yep. what it was. That was it. That was uh, uh, a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't had deer barbecue in a while. Um, but yeah, we did that. Uh, I was there for that, and then I think I was sitting in the south then, and then I have moved to the west. Um, I have made it my um. I have made it my personal like goal. goal to make it to every single Masonic funeral that I'm told to go to now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the youngest guy at, at my lodge and uh, I've been that way since I started. Now I'm 30 years old. Started when I was like, what, 25, 26? And uh, yeah, I was always bad about that. Mainly because I had second shift jobs, that sort of thing. But now I'm working first shift and uh, day job. Quit the World of Warcraft and uh, trying to be as active as possible. Cool. Great. You uh, uh, making big plans for your next year? Uh, I'm trying to, but uh, it is meeting resistance, as you guys well know. Um, with me being the only young guy in there, I, I tend to meet more resistance than... Most, I would say, but uh, I don't remember which one of you told me this, but you said just stick it out until you get another person in there like yourself, and then you can roll from there. 
Har- so. Harlan and I are kind of lucky in that it's it's slowly becoming difficult for us to remember what it's like fighting the old guard by ourselves, just because of the massive influx of new guys, uh, specifically young guys. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure that's yep. tough. It's that snowball effect. It, it'll come, and you know if it doesn't, we're just down the road. Well, I got I got half sack in my lodge. He's my second. He's my secretary, and um, I got I actually I don't know if I told y'all this the last time I was on, but I actually uh, raised a brother. I did the uh, first section um, for a, a brother. I actually lectured all the way through EA Fellowcraft and Master Mason. So I didn't know that. Yeah, um, he's actually a police officer in my town. He's a retired police officer, and now he works for a different um, unit. Um, what, would you, what would you call that? Uh, department, I guess. Yeah, he works for another department now. And uh, I just got a little sad because uh, I hear he's trying to move closer to the starting point of the uh, Appalachian Trail. Over there, I think that's in Georgia, South Carolina, around there. He's a big hiker type guy. Uh, eight. Well, if you haven't noticed, I got a little sidetracked. I've got uh, the future oh. grandmaster of our good state here. He's <laughs> looking Somebody quite woke up. disappointingly at all of us. Yes, he woke up. He's not amused when he wakes up. See, that's his grumpy face. I know you guys listening can't see, but he's, we're on YouTube right now. He's got the seasoned Masonic vet on the sideline grump face on. Like yes. It's perfect. It is. I, I told I, you. I, I feel like I'm messing up our ritual right now. He's uh, <laughs> he's going to be Grandmaster in short order. My favorite uh, grumpy Pastmaster. My favorite grumpy Pastmaster joke has, has always been, you know what the best part about this lodge is? It's closing. Mm. <laughs> I like that one. I haven't actually heard that in our lodge. Think about Probably it. Probably because we have Mickey and, well, Mickey doesn't stand for that kind of stuff. Well, it's kind of like those two old grumpy guys at the uh, on the Muppet show. Yes. Yeah, actually, it's, a, it's a lodge room full of them. Yes, right. it's exactly like that with the, with the floppy heads and everything. And then I'm like Kermit up there, like, uh, you know, with the, with, the, with the Kermit scream, my arms flailing. Not easy being green, man. So, um, Bruce. Yes, sir. How is your? Uh, you're almost to the to the halfway mark, and uh, your year in the east. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I am actually. If you if you don't count the last meeting in December, which which um, you know, I'm, you I'm, shouldn't. I'm, I'm, I, yes, uh, I'm I'm halfway through, and of course, actually, you know. After Grand Lodge in October, you may you're, you're kind of just filling space anyway, because nobody cares about you after that. They'll all be talking to Brother Squared. Do you do you, do you think I should do uh, what what Masters of previous years have done and just like not show up for a couple meetings and in, in, in those months and and just let him kind of you know ease no. himself into it or no? No, but that's out of self interest. <clears throat> it's going to be a long enough year as it is. <laughs> Are you saying you don't have faith in our upcoming master, sir? Oh no, I have lots of faith in him. We 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 we've talked about this before. So, like, my brother is is a 
a rules guy. Like you guys give me a lot of grief about always harping on and knowing all the rules and details and whatnot. But usually I'm doing that so I can find a way to do what we want to do either within the rules or skirt around them. My brother is is not like that. He is, you know, like law and order, like on the uh on on the Dungeons and Dragons scale, his character would be like neutral lawful. Super lawful. Um, yes. And he is all about the rules and the right way and no exception, no sympathy. The rules are the rules. Well, you you know and how you get around that, right? I don't know if there is a way with him. Well, like he doesn't know the rules, so uh, when his oh, time comes and you and you hand him the books that have the rules, yeah, do, it's just do a picture of my face and just have it be blank pages inside when he opens it up. Well, you'll get you'll get your copy of the bylaws when you're done. Exactly. That's only class masters can see those. <laughs> Here's a hint: it's another stack of blank blank papers. So, um. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how I can advise him not to uh, upset too many people with that particular approach. I guess flexible is the word that I was looking for. He's he's not flexible. Hmm. It's there's the right way and that's the only way, and everyone else can do or die. Now, do y'all kick the um, outgoing master uh, the next year in, into the Tyler seat? No, no, I know a lot of lodges around here uh, do that, but uh, we do not. Typically, because if we did that, most years we wouldn't have a Tyler. <laughs> there is a tendency of every like every other junior pass master to just vanish. Um, or in yeah, Orleans, take a more active role. Oh, God. I, yeah. I, I don't. I still don't know how that happened. I mean, I know how that happened because Jason told me it was going to happen. Hoodwinked like when I when I was initiated. <laughs> he said, and "You were the one. <laughs> You're the one. It is. Yes. It has been destined. You were the one the legend spoke of to free me from my slavery. We'll carry yeah, the square into the future. Why? Actually, oh, why did I take the red pill? He had some lecture to that effect, telling me I was going to be secretary, and it was like the night I was initiated. And then you just stayed on it, and then, well, it happened. It took many years, not that many years, but years, then it happened. All right, Fuss, here's your mother. Hold on. What? What? what are you, what's wrong with her? Oh, my God. All right, uh, Scott, you want to go ahead and uh, do do the little thing we were talking about right before the show started about your, uh, your master this year and – the, the yeah, issue. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was listening. To, I was listening to one of your shows. Uh, uh, what was the guy's name? I don't remember his name. Brr, not Riley. Uh, Brian. Brian Simmons. Brian Simmons. That's right. And uh, I actually added him on Facebook straight away uh, to ask him and actually see what type of stuff he's doing. So maybe I could start incorporating that into uh, my watch stuff. Uh, because I'm in charge of our Facebook page, and if he's doing it just with Facebook, or mostly just with Facebook, why can't I? Well, um, you know, he gave me some tips, and we talked for a little bit. So I sent out a uh, text to all of our officers. We have a mass text that just keeps going and going. Um, and they, uh, I said, hey, guys, 
how do you feel about getting a couple speakers to come in and we actually open it up to uh, specific speakers. We open it up to anybody who wants to come, Mason or no. Um, just go out on refreshment, whatever. Um, and this is a lodge that typically does not do that kind of thing. So we do not. We do a pancake breakfast. On, not really, no. We, we will have a speaker um, if we need the third section of the third degree. Or we'll have a speaker come if someone comes from the Shrine or something like that. But um, anyway, just want to come in and talk about something educational other than um, the, I heard you guys didn't know that George Washington was a Mason. I heard that. No, we, we discovered that on the show. Uh, somebody told us that. Who, I, I, Jeff, maybe? Is, is the I one still think it's a hoax. Right, 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 right. Anyway, he was a Jesuit over. after all. Something other than George Washington, because someone already does a George, a George Washington on our uh, anniversary night. Anyway, um, a, a couple guys said, oh, that's a great idea. But then the Worshipful Master sent a text out, and he said, no, I don't like that. They're too long-winded. And just, like, put the kibosh on anything, any kind of work I would do. So um, the outgoing past master from... Uh, last year, he actually was master two years in a row, which was the first time since 1940-something at my lodge that that had happened. And um, he sent me a direct message and said, I don't like that too much. Let's get ready for your year. Um, so I guess I have to wait till next year to really even get that ball rolling. But um, well, There you go. Start lining them up, setting up dates. Yeah, you'll want to start that before next year. Right. Well before, because when your time comes, like, it's come and it's moving. There, mm -hmm. There's no time for your planning. Do your planning this year. Yeah, no, it, it, it passes quick. Yeah, um, for sure. And so, I've, already, I've already been pointing in the right direction a couple times, but I honestly would love to get uh, some of the people you've had on here and just get them telecommuted in even and have them give a talk on something, or even if they have a slideshow, anything, man, something in there to give us some sort of education other than, you know, just doing degree work and just doing George Washington stuff. Well, uh, Brother David Riley, if, if you can find time in his schedule, he stays pretty busy. Uh, well, he would now. be fantastic for that, except in our jurisdiction. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it'll be great. Um no, you listen well, to the show that he was on, and my my wife got on Reddit and talked about how uncomfortable that show made her, because she felt like her husband was falling in love with another man. Yeah, oh yeah, I heard that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 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 so your master now this year does he just prefer the craft to stay as uneducated as possible, or does he just like does he does he only want the meetings to last half hour? What's, what's well, the deal I can tell you right now. Our, our current master, I love the, I love the brother, I really do. Um, he is a good mason. He's a good, he's a good guy. Um, you know, he actually was uh, stand-in uh, steward for like six years since I was there, really, until he became master. And he still cooks even as master. He enjoys cooking. He's a good cook. Um, he, I think, the problem is, is that he he is concerned of not being able to perform um, because he doesn't have a mind for degree work or memorization. Excuse me for one second. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, perfect timing. Welcome, Tony. Harlan has uh, y'all talk amongst yourselves. We will. Tony's here. Are y'all started yet? Nope. Yes, yes Tony. We've started. You know how you you can know we've started because you're here. Seriously. Seriously. Um, y'all, you need to change his shirt because uh, he doesn't. He's giving it away. Tony, everybody's gonna know we're from Jamaica now. Great. Can you read my shirt? Actually, Jamaica. I can't see the bottom part. Does it say Jamaica crazy? Yes, it does. <laughs> so, Tony, I ran into you at the at the fair, and you didn't even recognize me, and my feelings were hurt. Seriously, Tony? No, that's not. This that is, is not a local Mason, longtime fan of the show, your personal friend. I crashed your drone, bro. Brad, or I mean Scott, and dude, you didn't even you? know who he was. I even dude. helped you get chairs lined up, dude. Yeah, you did help with the chairs at the fair, didn't you? At the last minute with the rain out, and we moved wow. everybody inside. And Why had my wife and kid uh, with me? I wasn't there to work, but I, I helped I helped anyway because I saw dude, brothers in need. I was going to say, you took the oath, so it doesn't matter. You were, you're were you there to, to help do whatever needs to be done whenever it needs to be done. I did recognize you. I didn't have time to fool with you <laughs> at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel bad, Scott. He doesn't have time to fool with me either. I was like, Tony, need help? And you're like, Yeah, yeah. Here's the chair. No, at, at, <laughs> at that time, half of the brothers were were uh, uh, out of commission due to jungle juice. Or <laughs> no, uh, we were we like, were at lodge, Tony. It was a stated communication of our lodge, <laughs> and the requisite number of masons were performing that function. And that's the story you're going to stick with. But you uh, were, you know, just chilling. They had a visit. Fair from the food and rained on. We did. Our future grandmaster showed up. He was the, <laughs> um, he was the um, only he was the only person to show up that night. On fair night, everybody knows not to show up on fair night. Right. So, so like in. me and Josh and a couple other guys go up there. We're all like dirty and sweaty and wearing you know the fair the staff t-shirts and shorts. We 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 picked up a couple like take out pizzas just in case somebody showed up, even though, you know, like you said, everybody knows not to show up. And like 20 minutes before we're getting ready to open, door opens and in walks him, full suit, you know, gold name oh, tag, briefcase <laughs> with the with the special apron, everything. I'm like, I was going to uh, say, carry the briefcase the, with the, with they, they call it the um, uh, submarine or whatever with the nuclear codes or whatever yes, in it. The football, the, 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 the football. football. The football, yeah. That's it. And uh, well, well, Luke, and, I, I and I'm like, oh well, our night just got a lot longer. <laughs> so th- he let you cut it short, though, didn't he? I mean, well, f- fortunately for us, like you know what kind of awesome guy he is. Like five minutes, like he he sat around and talked to us for a few minutes, and and like five minutes before the meeting started, he was like, I guess y'all probably want to get out of here like as soon as possible. And I didn't want to uh-huh. say yes to like confirm that we wanted him to leave, but I was like, you know, that's that's kind of like what we were planning on. He's like, I'll, I'll go ahead and leave. So he didn't even stay for the meeting. Yeah. Now, some. I think I personally think that you guys were were living and breathing masonry at the fair. That's what you were doing. Yeah, you weren't at the lodge. He should have come up there. I I agree. That was my question to Bruce after he told me. I was like, why don't um? Why did he go to the fair? Do you have a corn dog or something? It was raining sideways. Otherwise, we would have made him come and sit in the in the Freemasonry yeah. exhibit. In full garb. We, we would have gave him. We would have gave him jungle juice. Told him it was Kool Aid and see what we could, could get away with. Oh, that would have been a fun night. 
Hey, we would have fixed our, our whole gripe that we have with the Grand Lodge in one night. I'd like to drink with that guy. Oh, man. I've done it before. It's uh, fun. Good Tony, time. you ever uh, invite him to any of your shindigs? Me? Yeah. No. No, no. Go- Tony doesn't hang with purple people eaters. Yeah. Like, we- I was purple people eating the guy. I, I didn't get invited to anything. Uh, I mean, I always figured there's like that one cool guy in the Grand Line somewhere every year. I'm scared of him. Is that not him? I am too. Me and Scott were talking about that earlier. Like, I I told him I would not want to see him. Yeah. I I wouldn't see him mad. I would want, no, I I definitely would not want him angry at me, but I'm not afraid of him. I'm just, I just don't want him angry at me. Good news, Bruce. (laughs) Well, Scott, when I've seen you at the fair, the only time I've seen you, um, Everybody else, me, Harlan, Bruce, you know, we've, we've done multiple things outside of Lodge, which I think is the number one thing brothers need to do is not just be Masons in the Lodge, but go do stuff together outside of the Lodge. I agree. Any, you know, that's, well, that was the first time that I'd seen you out of your, out of your natural habitat of Lodge. And you were there with family and kids and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I got a little girl now. Yeah, uh, and, and no, I, I recognized you, and in my mind, I was going, "Who the hell is this guy? I'm supposed to know this." Guy. Oh, dude, that's Scott. And at the same, <laughs> but at the same time, we were pulling chairs. I can't remember exactly, but it, it was a total cluster because it, we had a rain out. We're trying to figure out how to move the band from the a full band from outside to the inside, and the only thing we've got inside is. Like like a karaoke speaker, and it's not even a good one. Well, don't so, feel too bad though. Nipples <laughs> didn't recognize me either. Well, well, I was busy uh, stumbling and pacing around with my coffee cup, shaking my head. I broke. And, uh, no, Harlan did great. The only thing I kept telling Harlan was, Harlan, man, I ain't trying to take over. I'm trying to take pressure off of you because at, at that particular moment, Harlan had probably five different people pulling at him on five different catastrophes. You know, the fair, from, to, to a visitor, the fair looks so smooth. It looks like, oh, man, it's, you know, it's no big deal. On the backside, if you're, if you're command one like Harlan was, he's getting pulled 15 different ways. And he was, and I felt like I wasn't sure, but I felt like just a little bit more of a push and Harlan's going to explode up on somebody here. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He, he, he was cool. I, I almost did on Marshmallow Guy. Uh, yeah. I never did find out if that dude pressed charges or not. We got this guy that sells these little marshmallow guns. That like guy takes it like, as, as far as he can every single yeah. year. Like, every he's, year. He's just on the point of one of us, you know. Well, one year, I won't I'll let Harlan tell his story, but one year, the dude was uh, selling the same toys you could win at the game that the carnival was, was having, uh, one of the carnival games. And so it was $5 to play the game, and the guy came out of his booth and was standing in front of the game, marshmallow guy, <laughs> saying, hey, you don't even have to play a game. Here, just buy it for $5. Here you go. Which, which of course, upset the carnival guy, who the carnival guy at the time is a hothead. And so, uh, yeah, I think Harlan was in the middle of that one, too, that year. I was. I deal with this guy every year, and I keep letting him come back because you had sold me this story about what a VIP he is. I thought he was. found out from the powers that be. They're like, oh, I, I thought he was. <laughs> I thought he was important. <laughs> yeah, come yeah, to find out. Everybody's doing like 
I, you know, I, I, I know how good of a friend he is, you know, talking to the mayor. I know how good a friend he is of yours, but, man, we got to do something with him. Well, he ain't my friend. Oh, really? <laughs> you talk to Tim and Jerry and no, or, or I'm sorry, you talk to the other people and, um, no, he ain't my friend. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to tell Harlan. This. How did this guy get here? <laughs> Who are you? He convinced Tony that he was well-connected. Well, and, and so we gave him prime spots and the run of the event every year, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is good business for him. Yeah, it's not anymore, especially not if that guy, uh, he filed a complaint with uh, with the cop that was there that night. His son has, a, his little boy, his six-year-old, has a nice bruise on his belly from one of those darn marshmallows. Uh-huh. Seriously? Yeah. Well, he wasn't the first one. Like, there were other ones. There was one kid I tried to buy an ice cream and calm him down, and he still had his bracelet and whatnot and his little teddy bear under his arm. He was like, no, I don't want an ice cream, Daddy. I just want to go home. Mm. And he's got, like, a welt on him from a damn marshmallow. You know it's and, bad uh, when the kid wants to leave the fair. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, when the kid doesn't <laughs> the want bracelet ice cream. for unlimited rides. Like, yeah. I was going to buy him an ice cream, and he's like, no, I don't want ice cream. I just want to go home. Oh, man. Dude, my my daughter actually played with uh, Josh's kid for a little bit. They played uh, bumper strollers. Huh. Ah, that was a good time. We're all inside. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know you were there at the. Well, that was Saturday, wasn't it? I was gonna yes, say, I uh, believe so. I promised Friday. my wife a funnel cake. Friday, you could have recorded with us. Yeah. yeah. I listened you to that show. Hung out the side of Tony's truck and looked like a prostitute. I listened to as much of that show as I could, but all the cutting in, I, I think I got like nine tenths of the way through it. I haven't. I still got another tenth to go through. But that you talk about a cluster. Yeah, that's just, that is heavily. That's the heavily edited version. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the smooth version. That <laughs> yeah, after we cut out all of the like ten minute segments of. All right, you reconnected. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which thanks to, to Nick for putting all that together, even though he's kind of a jerk because he started broadcasting as soon as we all connected um, and then just sat back and watched us look like morons while we were trying to get our stuff together. Yeah. We were all like, Nick, we're going to start the show in like 15 minutes. He starts the show. Yep. Hey, the good thing about it, I won't get into too many details, but Saturday night when you were settling up with the fair and he brought that stack of, bills over yep and, you, and he started counting everything out and the eyes just get, kept getting bigger and we're like man on a cruddy year uh when, when it rained and, and and all that he did just as well as the carnival the year before i mean <laughs> that, that was yeah. amazing no that's a good that's a good show uh yeah we definitely want him back next time well and then harlan has to be mr honesty i the gave guy, some of the money back yeah i was being a yeah, good the man guy, some of the money the guy Eight hundred something dollars worth. I was like, and, and at that point, I kept thinking, but when is the guy going to say, you know what, for being so honest? Because I kept telling him, hey, you know, you, you don't have to worry about dealing with us. We're going to be square with you and all that. I kept thinking, well, at some point, the guy's going to say, you know what, here you go. You just here's two hundred for being so. Yeah, that never happened. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's business. <laughs> business. He's a he's a carny, Tony. Yeah. Plus, yeah, we he, didn't want. There, there's been these stories on Reddit about lodges being vandalized and whatnot. We don't want our lodge to get destroyed by carnies when they realize three months later that we screwed them. Right. Because they're mobile. They could be in Florida when they have that realization, and they will be back here. 
And there's a lot of them. I'm It'd sending like, a map. Uh, be like Indians in the Old West. They'll be circling the wagons around the lodge and shooting flaming arrows. I'm sitting in my chair at my house, and I'm looking down, which is why I look so fat. So I just noticed that. <laughs> oh, there that's why. There we yeah, go. Yeah, you always got to take all your selfies from a high angle. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and hold it up, but see how much better? See, so no. I'm giving, giving you the con. Oh. <laughs> Ow. This Anyways. is fat, to- fat Tony. Skinny Tony. Yeah. Fat Tony. Tony's very um, skilled in the art of the selfie. He's kind of like the <laughs> selfie queen at our lodge. When you uh, when you do the little one leg in front of the other, the half smile. Yeah. Yes. Um, hey, we duck have... face. Don't forget duck face. Weirdo. Hey, we have to uh, talk about the upcoming fair. Do we? Yeah, we're screwed, buddy. It's <laughs> 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 what well, I hear. Good talk. <laughs> That's what I hear. I'm glad I'm not master this year. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we have a social club um, that is tied to that fair for a reason. Yep. yep. Uh, Worshipful, I would strongly suggest that uh, that become a focus on our meeting Saturday night. Like, not during Lodge, but somehow corral everyone. Because, you know, you are the master, so you could, like, put everyone in, like, the back part of the dining room and then lock the doors <laughs> and say you're not coming out until there's a plan for this fair. What 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 specifically do we need to address? Well, I haven't okay. fired the carnival yet. Should I fire the carnival? Fire them? Why? My fair's over. I think I'm supposed to fire them because they don't want this particular carnival out there anymore because of the catastrophe that he had with the jaws of life and they cut the kid out of the ride and all that. Uh, yep. I don't know anything about it, but that sounds like a bad thing. Yeah, that's that actually a, bad... a funny story, Tony. You should, that, that's, that's a show worthy story. <laughs> that, that it's a true story. This is, it sounds, it sounds made up, but it is not made up. I promise you. Um, so the carnival guy decides, um, he's going to do a nice thing. He, he is from the reason I wanted to use him to begin with, because he's a local guy which can be both a good thing and a bad thing. Because if you're a local guy, people want to deal locally. But if you're not a good guy or, you know, if you're kind of a hothead and those type of things, local people know you. But anyway. So this is the same guy who did it last year? Yes. Well, he decides to uh, do a good thing. And some of the local churches were having an event out at the park where we hold the fair. And so he donated his services some rides and things like that not as full setup but some rides and things for the kids to ride at this event uh, free of charge he didn't you know no money changing hands or anything he was just out there uh, pro bono well anyway uh, there was a little kid that was a little too large to get into one of the rides but you know the, the little airplane type rides that go round and around i don't even think they lift off they might lift off the ground a little bit but i don't think so i think it just goes round and around and the, and the carnival worker said, nope, you can't get on the ride. You're too large. Uh, told him that three different times. So when the carnival worker goes to the far side of the ride away from the gate, and he's checking everybody's straps, you know, the seatbelts on the ride on the little kids, this kid comes through the gate, plops himself into, wiggles himself, plops himself into the ride, and gets on the ride himself. Well, 
then he can't get out. The kid is literally stuck in the ride and they cannot get him back out of the ride. I don't know how he got stuck or whatever, but he can't get out. And so two hours later, when they're still trying to get this kid out of the ride and one lady saying, I've got some lube in my, or something. Of, <laughs> what does he have? A hand lotion or something or Vaseline or something that, that we can put on him to try. They tried everything to get this kid out of the ride. Can't get him out of the ride, so somebody decided to call the oops to call the fire department. Yeah, mark that. Got it. <laughs> so somebody had decided to call the fire department uh, so that they can come and see if they can help. So the fire department comes out, shows up, l- looks at the situation, gets out their jaws of life, and then proceeds to cut his ride in half to get this kid out of the ride. Oh my god! So he's upset about them tearing up his ride. <laughs> And so he then proceeds to put on Facebook how moronic and idiotic and stupid the local fire department is and how they're a bunch of idiots and just all this different stuff and don't have any respect for private property. They cut my stuff up and all this. And so he took doing what would have been doing a really good thing into a total catastrophe. Well, now keep in mind the local city and the fire department are one and the same. You know, they're in the, it's a city funded fire department. So when you're talking bad about the local fire people, which are our heroes, of course, now you've got everybody mad at you. And that fire department also comes out at our event during the fair. And so it's kind of a whole. Yeah, they, yeah. they help us pretty significantly. Don't yeah. Yeah. Now, my brother, actually, my biological brother, my little brother, he's a full time firefighter in the city that I'm in. Uh huh. So that yeah, means a lot. Good but story, yeah, Scott. yeah, fire, fire your uh, carnies. I agree with yeah. this. And so, well, except then there's no carnival. Well, you don't have to have rides for it to be a carnival. You do. Well, you can get you can just go and get a bunch of inflatables. Right. <laughs> I, I think a I whole think bunch. Of, uh, Scott, Scott, no. Get the slide. <laughs> Scott, get the, jump you, the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Are you a member of our lodge? I'm just curious. No. Well, but the no. reason I'm asking that is that is the same exact same idea that Bruce had. Is that Bruce said, "Hey, let's do some inflatables." Never. Never. So we and so Harlan, I think we should run with Bruce's ideal this year. Nope. And we are going to get bouncy nope. houses because you can actually get an inflatable too. That's like a um, mechanical bull thing too. That'd be fun. Um, Tony, if I'm going to catch the blowback for whatever negative things happen at this upcoming fair, then we we need to at least uh, go with an idea that I, I actually had instead of one that was not mine. What idea did you have? To, uh, uh, okay, so, like, so we so buy a, a giant chair, and Tony sits in the chair, and then all the little kids come by, and he bounces them up and down on his knee for a few minutes. <laughs> what do you think? I think that uh, Chris Hansen needs to be involved in this somehow. And the smaller kids, he can pick up and fly them around like an airplane. Go, woo! <laughs> Is he going to wear that outfit he wears when he flies his drone near the elementary school? Oh, God, I hope so. Mm. And then for the entertainment, Tony, you can just fly all your different little toys around, you know, like on the stage. You got that shark thing, and you have like a dozen different drones by now, I'm sure. Actually, right now, seriously, I am droneless. I have no drones. Where's your shark? I know you got the shark. Uh, I think it's still the, at your son's old house, isn't it? The shark? Yeah, I don't know what happened. I left, I left 
that was, I can't remember if it was the shark or the fish I took there. Was it the shark? I don't remember the shark. Yet, no, Last time I saw it, it was in our preparation room. Well, I left one in there and it deflated and I just saw, got another one. I took it to my son's third, the son's son's third birthday party and I left it there. My other drone, I sold it to a guy that works for me um, at a very discounted price because he wanted it. And so right now I'm looking at some, some, those are my practice drones. I'm looking at a little bit more of a high-end drone that's got the remote control camera and the gimbal, and, and you can you can do all that stuff. You can hover and then it's move your GoPro. Yeah, it's got no pro. It's got a GoPro on it, and that's a, that's boring stuff. But that is actually what I'm looking at right now. So, so back to what we were uh, talking about earlier, though. The uh, so the worshipful master at my lodge doesn't really want to do anything. So. Does anyone else really have that going on too? We do. I know you do. Oh, God, our master doesn't want to do a damn thing. <laughs> like it's it's seven twenty eight on lodge night, and I'm like Warshpool. It's like don't bother me. Don't bother me. I'm, I'm busy. Stuff. Got stuff to do. In all honesty, no Warshpool master at hardly any lodge, if it's their first year through, wants to do anything. They want to do a whole lot. They've got all these big plans. And then once they get seated in the chair and they've got to deal with all the little crap all year long, mm-hmm. they don't want to do anything. If you want something done at your lodge, you got to do it. It's very, I, I think it's very rarely the master that actually, that actually gets everybody going. Mm-hmm. Careful though. Cause then if the master tells you to stop, you better stop or I'll have to go to Masonic jury duty again. And right. I will vote to expel you just because you drew me to Masonic jury duty again. Well, but uh, you know what I'm saying, though. I'm not the the the, 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 the officers coming around the chairs will come up with different things. Usually, the year that you're in the master's chair, that's the way I felt. The year you're in the and Bruce, you can speak to this. The year you're in the chair, your main concern is that there's still a lodge at the end of the year that you of your year you were in the chair. Exactly. Uh, Our lodge is over 100 years old. It's not going anywhere. We got enough money to survive for the next 50 years of doing nothing. So I, we, I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried oh, about is... Oh, so Scott, don't don't do think you don't have the power yeah. to single-handedly destroy your lodge yeah. because exactly. I promise you, you do. What, what, exactly. what do next? The best thing, the best when your thing master, that master can do all that money. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then the year after, your lodge is going to have to get off its ass, and then it'll come together. Well, well, we're going to end up be Batman. You got to be not the hero they want, but the hero they deserve. <laughs> Dude, I'm a Superman guy. Have you? Yeah. There's but, a Batman back there. Where? Uh, in the in the in the, the right lowest one. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys can't won't be able to see this in the podcast, but on Scott's camera in the background, he has a guy fox mask hanging over a Superman cape. That's and. Funny. I think he's about as confused, Tony, as that guy next to the lodge that flies the, the Confederate and Israeli flags on either side oh, yeah. of the porch. <laughs> that poor, confused soul. I like yeah. what I like. I like Bruce can tell uh, you some stuff about this stuff over here. Huh? Mm. I can. I mean, you, you can't. They're, they're like they're like antagonistic figures, man. One of them is like truth, justice, and the American way, and the other one is like freedom and anarchy and you know fight the man well, superman fights for the man v fights the man my favorite one of my favorite comics of superman and um harlan you of the um 
God's chosen people should love Superman more than anybody because he was created by a couple of Jewish immigrants. Uh, yes, and they made a lot of money. Good for them. Yeah, well, there you go. But anyway, um, my favorite story is, is that, and, and this is before they rebooted him again in the comics, um, there was something going on in the Middle East, and there was, a, there was these riot uh, police, and then there was all these people screaming and hollering, and then uh, Superman flies over, and he just plants himself between the people and the riot police, and he's facing the riot police, but all that he does is stand there like this. That's it. And it deters an entire like fight from breaking out from either side. Um, and then he's questioned by um, like the CIA or whatever, and uh, he's had to he's told to meet with the CIA director or whatever, and he says, "Don't you know that I see the sniper over there on whichever with the kryptonite bullets? Yeah, I'll be able to take all of you out before the bullet would even leave the chamber." And he, and uh, they said, "Don't you still fight for truth, justice, and the American way?" And he said, "I'm a citizen of Earth now," and flies off. Ooh, dramatic! Dum dum dum. I mean, it was good. It, it's it, it, it's about solidarity. I mean, he's there for everybody. That's what I like about him. And same thing with Guy Fox. Uh, not Guy Fox himself necessarily, but V or V for Vendetta. Um, he's a uh, he fights for freedom. Well, or part of what I love about that story is is he doing that? Or is he fighting for revenge? Uh, and V? Yeah. Uh, a little bit of both. But don't you think that, uh, you know, one of my favorite scenes of uh, revolutionary movie, uh, The Patriot, you know, Mel Gibson's uh, son of the movie gets killed and he goes out and takes out a bunch of redcoats. And originally, uh, yeah, he's fighting for freedom and independence, but originally it started out as uh, somebody killed his son and took kidnapped the other. But anyway, mm. enough well, plus, about... plus Superman and uh, Guy Fox slash, you know, the whatever are kind of at odds. And so far as Superman's about like personal responsibility and, mm-hmm. you know, each each person stands up for who he is and what he and V is, for is the every man, the, the powerful the, guy comes and saves you. The anonymous. Well, that's I guess it depends on how you read into it. So, so they're, they're kind of opposing ideals in that regard as well. Well, Bruce, I think I can't be your Superman. Well, in, in your Superman. the original Superman, Jor-El, played by the late Marlon Brando, uh, he said the that uh, told asked his, or told his son that he's forbidden for interfering in the events of human history, but he goes against his father's will in order to save the woman he loves. So he's not necessarily all about just truth, justice, and playing by the rules like a, a lawful good or whatever. It's a, uh, you know, calling an audible when you need to. And I think that's a way that a lot of people actually uh, interpret their obligations sometimes, which is unfortunate. But, uh, well, sometimes fortunate, too. Just like in the, like with Superman, he has his own code. Masons have their own code. Um a bro code, right? And I even saw another. Uh, not right. <laughs> yes, right. I mean, again, it's it's still a a, a code 
we all follow. It's we it's do. basically uh, the same across the board. In fact, that was uh, Tony's closing remarks at our Widows and Past Masters night when everybody's wife was there. He was like, good night, everybody. And remember, bros before hoes. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a big comic book guy, and I could probably get on here and talk about comic books. And I'm a DC Comics guy. Mostly, I like the Marvel stuff, but I could probably talk about this all day. Oh, I love I love what you're talking about, too. I like it. When Batman was talking about when great response with great power comes great responsibility, that's one of my favorite lines that he's ever spoken. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you know Tony, I, I really thought Scott was going to bite on that one. I, I really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, so, but but that thing shows I am a I am a comic. I, I do love all that type of stuff too. So, well, I tell the, you more of the older stuff. I was messing with uh, I was I was talking to my wife and um, we were we were goofing around and I and I started quoting a Superman movie. Um, I was quoting Marlon Brando again, and I started staring at her and I said, "We'll never leave you, even in the face of our deaths. You'll see my life through your eyes," and blah blah blah. You know that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she stops halfway through and she goes. Is that a Mason thing? <laughs> yes. That happens uh, to me too. When I try to quote like fantastic historical figures or whatever and be all wise. And then my wife's like, shut up with your Mason shit. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what? That, that's not. Uh. Right. Anyways. One time I was speaking the lyrics of an Eminem song and she said that. And then I laughed for the rest of the night. I like Eminem songs. They're really good if you just like speak them, like the lyrics instead of singing them, like in a speech. Put some inflections in, like you're giving a speech, and then see if your wife thinks it's lodge stuff. They mm. have a new, they have a new car- caramel Eminem coming out. I haven't tried it yet, but I don't know. If, I don't know if it would be. No, they really do. They've got a new caramel. I'm I know they do. But... Did he have a mixed kid? Did I miss something? Because I thought he only had the one, and she's like smoking hot. No, they ha- he has two daughters, I believe. Oh, I've only seen the one because, you know, her picture was circulating and everybody was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Um, Hallie, right? Haley, sorry. Haley. Yeah. Yes, Haley. In the ruins of Detroit, too, Bruce. We could get a like case of cheeseburgers and uh, go tour the ruins. Oh, is she, is she legal now? Uh, yeah, she is. has 21. Yep, I just Googled nice. her. Been legal for well, for you like seven years. Now what do we have here? So Bruce's first question is: She legal? Did you not hear the conversation they were having before that, Tony, about going to Detroit to find her? I doubt she lives in Detroit anymore. Uh, so, no, Bruce. Bruce, do you encounter this problem frequently with high school girls, or is it? Uh, I doubt a twenty-one-year-old in high school. I wouldn't she is. say it's a problem. No. In the town that, that we live in, that 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 happens. The image that's burned into my mind from every fair, there's an image that stands out in your mind how you remembered that year's fair. This past year, the image that re- stands out in my mind not it's not the it's not the rain, it's not the marshmallow guy, it's not it's Bruce. You know you know those big metal things that come down like in concession stands and things when they want to close up. It was only open about four inches. 
and the image that stands out in my mind is Bruce peering out between those four inches watching the 16-year-old pageant, uh, beauty pageant. And then I came in. He goes, I just came here to get a drink. I didn't, I, Bruce, I didn't ask you. But, you know, you can just tell by the guilty <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that did not happen at all, guys. Actually, that did not happen. But that did not happen. It truly didn't. But it's the way I choose to remember what did happen. <laughs> yeah, like what really happened is Tony was sitting out there in the front row with his seven-foot <laughs> self blocking everyone's view. <laughs> <laughs> trying to lean forward so he can get a peek up the stage. Actually, I, to, uh, actually, I was up real quick. Eminem has three children, and his youngest is 15. The other two are over 21. Hmm. All right, all right, all right. I thought it was just Haley. That's the only one he ever sung about. Oh, yes, the other ones get jealous. Why does he not love his other kids? I don't think he was still writing his own raps after they were born. Dude, he still writes his own raps. Please. So, um, on the note of girls at the fair... Um, Tony, we need to tell our food guy to like not bring any more attractive girls because it was like messing up my whole program. So you know how every year I take uh, I take good care of 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 one of his guys. I'm not gonna call him out by name because Larry might catch the show. Uh-huh. Actually, do I do I want to talk about this at all? Is he ever gonna hear this? He is never gonna listen to the show. Okay, I heard there was an attractive one. Well, so every year there's there's one one guy that works for the food truck beer truck company like he's always there every year he always helps us out and so we've always got our our liquor stash back in the uh in the kitchen where we hide and so usually when it gets an hour or so before closing like i'll i'll take a uh i'll take a good goodly amount of bourbon uh and i go out behind the food truck and i like slip it to this guy and you know it's kind of like a a a a mutual friendship thing because then later he helps us figure out how to not break our necks putting the tent up and Occasionally, when I show up to buy a corn dog, he doesn't charge me, etc. So, um, anyway, this has been going on for years. So this year, I show up to to take him his alcohol, and I hand it to him, and he kind of laughs, and he's like, "Man, you didn't send the other guys out here." And I'm like, "What other guys?" And he opens up the little ice thing where he stashes these cups, and there's already like three or four cups of different kinds of liquor in there that people have been bringing for this girl that was working in the truck with him. <laughs> and so like all of our guys are cleaning out our liquor to go try to impress this carny girl and i was like who 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 brought this he drank it all though so oh, he, wasn't mean, cup. He, he didn't show was, me this till after he had taken the cup i brought him i was not one of those guys uh tony's did, a, tony's a nice summer, though. dealing with that guy what was it you said he, he's a great guy but uh be careful because he will sleep with your wife Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if he gets the opportunity. You may need to define what you call a great guy, Tony. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's that old, uh, that old military motto, right, that we used to talk about with our, with our brothers in the company, and it's, uh, you know, trust me with your life, just not your money or your wife. Hmm. Yeah, it's like that. Great guys. I Don't know. I Don't thought in the, the army that house. adultery was like court martial offense level stuff. Well, if you get that far, I mean, oh. typically it doesn't get that far because somebody kills someone else. And oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, adultery is off limits. Murder, yeah, you can skirt by. So, Bruce, before we started the show, 
you were really excited about uh, some thing that you thought was going to get me all excited. <laughs> yes. So let's let's get into the uh, serious question of the show, gentlemen. I, I, I need your attention here. Um, <clears throat> fellas, I know a brother who, when he attends Lodge, as a regular habit, he conceal carries a gun on his person in Lodge. Um, I have spoken to this brother, and you know I've I've tried to tell him it's not a, not a good idea, and he says you know just in case if if for whatever reason somebody needs defending if if there is an intruder who comes into the lodge who makes it past the Tyler because let's be honest if somebody wanted to come into any of our lodges more than likely our Tyler would not be stopping them. Harlan, what is your opinion on this? Do you know who this brother is? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell me? No. I thought not. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Should that matter? Should it matter who the brother is, or should it be any brother? Well, if I don't know who it is, I can't, you know, do bodily harm to them (laughs) or something. Okay, so, uh, and, and, and... Scott and I were talking about this earlier. He he defended this brother. So I thought, you know, maybe the two of you could have a, a, a discussion about this. Let me tell you a story about the late great usurper of executive authority, but also past president of the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Okay. Who famously visited a lodge in whatever town he was in. He was passing through on the campaign trail, being followed by all his little Secret Service cronies and their heavily armed people and whatnot. And they get to the lobby of the lodge, and he knows none of them are Masons. So they're all trying to follow him in, and he's like, no, you guys have to wait out here. And they're protesting and doing their thing, and he looks at them and says, I am far safer with the men in there than I am with you out here. President of the United States Mm -hmm. didn't think it was beneath his character to meet with his brothers unarmed as Masonic tradition dictates. So I don't think anybody else has an excuse. Okay, well, so one, one, one quick question b- uh, b- before we get into the meat of this argument. Uh, I want to touch on the, what Tony asked earlier is, does who it is matter? If it's, is, is there anybody that you would give more uh, um, leeway with in, in this regard? Like, let's, no. let's just say, for example. Well, police some, okay. some police officers, aren't police officers required to carry a firearm on them at all Yeah, yeah, time? yeah. There's, there's so a lot of stuff. Would that supersede? supersedes all that. For instance, I'm going to Dallas in a couple <laughs> weeks. And while I'm in Dallas, I'm going to visit Brother Mike again, like I did last year, because, you know, we had a good time together. Brother Mike is with the, uh, it's not the Dallas Police Department. It's one of its attaches, and I'm not going to call him out with his employer or whatever. But he's a cop. And I visited him in his lodge, which I didn't realize was a, like some kind of cop lodge, because there's a lot of cops there. And the Tyler has this like big vault thing outside the door in the Tyler's room. And everybody was checking their weapon with the Tyler before they went in the lodge. Even the guy who was in uniform, I think. I don't know if that was a uniform or if he just was sporting a polo that had the badge on it. Anyway, everybody checks that stuff with the Tyler. And then they pick up their, their service weapon on the way out. Like the, now, the was cops, the Tyler armed? What? Was the Tyler armed with the firearm? It's Texas, man. Everybody's armed. That's my point. Our Tyler's so, armed most of the time. So That's- I right. So my argument back at you though is that you know maybe FDR was comfortable with his brothers, 
which I'm fairly certain everybody's comfortable with their brothers in the lodge. But what I'm not comfortable with is a individual getting past the Tyler and coming in and slaughtering every one of my brothers in front of me. Yeah, I mean, I, while that sounds a little far-fetched, everybody in our lodge has guns. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe not in the lodge, but either they're with the Tyler, etc. There's a lot of us, and it's uh, it. There's multiple avenues of approach out. Like the only way I see that happening is if you're dealing with multiple people assaulting the lodge. In which case, that one guy with a gun's not really going to make that much of a difference anyway. So, it it. Just such a long-standing Masonic tradition, and it's part of what adds to the uniqueness of a tiled lodge. That I know that our Grand Master actually expressed a contrary opinion to mine last year, um, and I was not okay with it then. Not okay with it now. Uh, what's that old thing? Like you know, you can do what you want, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Uh, am I allowed to say that? I'm allowed to say that. No, no, you're not. That's fine. We can. We'll cut it out. Well, I don't think. No, no, that's fine. Keep, keep going, Scott. But that that stuff's written down, though. Yeah, and there's also been exposés on like all of our stuff, some of which are actually true, but that doesn't that we we can't we can't do that. Um, like the contents of the Masonic obligation are supposed to be, even if they're floating out there, um, they're supposed to be. Strictly to us. Okay, so let, let me pose this question then. Let's let's come at it from a different angle. Uh, aside from, well, I guess I can't say that. One, one part uh, in in the, the first degree, which Harlan, I guess, I'm sorry, cut it if you have to, but is there anything uh, that forbids uh, a, a firearm in the lodge? Any, well, I mean, any, any, anything in the Constitution, anything in the degree work? No, it's it's part of it's part of many the many many things that we do that we do because they are deeply ingrained in Masonic tradition. The Entered Apprentice Lecture, as you mentioned, alludes to it in the Principles of Masonry, forbidding instruments of offense, renders instruments of defense unnecessary. All of that, it, it, and it's been around. You can find this written about as far back as we've got Masonic records that that would even be talking about it. Even before the, the days of firearms, you know, you didn't bring your sword in the lodge. Nobody brought... Because the Tyler had a sword. The Tyler's outside. Right, right. He had a sword, though. He was protecting us. Okay, so on, if, if you live in a town where you're that concerned about it, give your Tyler a freaking AK-47 and some spare magazines and three or four other ones right outside the door for someone to grab if the lodge gets ambushed. Like, if you're, if you're in Big Nat's Lodge, like in Detroit, you know, where it's actually likely the scenario you described might happen because somebody might be wearing a watch that's worth $10, so some Detroit street gang is going to come in and kill everyone. So, like, arm up the Tyler and, and have some other stuff in a gun case by the Tyler. So if something happens, you know, somebody reach outside the door and, and start grabbing guns. But well, didn't they just thwart um, a, an attack on a Michigan lodge? Uh, what was uh, it last year? In I know the one you're talking about, but that was a that was a conspiracy to bomb the lodge. In which case, a gun would also not help you. I mean, fair enough in that scenario, but I'm just saying that like there are people out there that want to attack a Masonic lodge. There are, and if and I'm more than okay with 
giving the the Tyler an RPG or whatever the hell you know you're allowed to have in your jurisdiction, or even that you're not. Arm the Tyler and and near and in and about the Tyler as much as you want. But I think bringing a a weapon of deadly force of of any kind into the lodge room contaminates the ritual space. Like some of what we do is is metaphysical. It's it's kind of just beyond description, but it's all these little cues that build the in-lodge experience. And I think somebody being armed, especially if other people know that they're armed, <clears throat> whether you realize it or not, it, it's going to take away from part of the, the ritual. I'm not going to say magic, but the... the, the uh, what's, what's a better word? It, just the experience. That's David Riley's word he likes to use all the time. The, the lodge argument. ritual experience. Well, I'm not saying that during you know ritual work that those participating in the ritual work who are actively doing things should be should have anything on them that would cause harm to anyone um other than what's necessary for the ritual work um i'm not saying that i'm talking more like for a regular business meeting see you guys may be doing ritual work every other meeting or so, but at my lodge, it's talking about money, talking about, uh, you know, who's just business, sick. Just business meeting. Business meeting, business meeting. But, um, you know, and it, it's, it's just one of those things that we, I do live in a larger city, and, you know, I know you work here. Yes, I don't know. we also live in your city. Okay. Like our lodge is a hundred feet from the city limits. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know this, but at the same time, at the same time, we still have uh, a lot of upheaval. We have uh, riots. We have heck. We just had uh, gang activity um, downtown. Um, it's everywhere, and you know, holding the fi- having a firearm in in lodge concealed especially the way bruce had phrased the question i don't see a problem with being there to protect your brothers so if you if someone feels that strongly about it they're they're welcome to join the tyler it's uh, i mean you go through this anywhere you go in targets that are likely to be places of violence for instance the courtroom or the clerk's office or Mm -hmm. Any of these other places where you're doing, you know, the Lord's work in the eyes of government. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> but that's, there are heavily armed people outside. And uh, there's heavily armed people inside, too, and there's sheriffs yeah, in there. There's a, there's a bailiff. Yeah, it's a bad example. The point is, the bailiff's like the Tyler, except he's outside. It, it, bolt the doors, and so there's only one way in, and put the Tyler outside of it, and arm him, and multiple Tylers if you want. There's nothing that says you can't have multiple Tylers. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, like I'm a concealed weapon carrier. I have a firearm on me, like you know, almost all the time. Not when I'm in lodge. It, it's, it's just the, it's a thing. It's a conviction that I have. It's a tradition of our fraternity that goes back to <laughs> from time immemorial. And although doing things just because that's the way we've always done it is often a hollow argument. In this case, I really do think it's something that that's part of what makes the lodge special. Um, it's, 
and, and you could you could make the argument that you know things are different now because that, whatever reason you want to come up with, that's something that everybody in every generation uses as an excuse for why they don't have to keep with tradition. You know, <clears throat> around the uh, the the Wilson and uh, McKinley eras when you know the things were different in the age of in the age of sail, but this is the age of steam, and and now we have to go invade all these places and not stick to ourselves anymore. But it, it, it's, I just don't buy it. I mean, there's, there's no reason when lodges that meet in, in a place like, in a place like Israel, in a place like Detroit, um, when there's like a lodge full of cops in Dallas that I've, I've been to, when the cops are willing to put down their weapons, which if you've ever tried to separate a cop from his gun, it, I swear some of them like sleep with the things under their pillows that's that's a whole other story. And I'll tell you, the brother I raised, he he's a police officer. I think I told you earlier. Uh, I mean, he le he leaves his firearm in the car, um, right? Because it's part of his uniform. He's got a big old belt he has to wear. Um, as we're with a concealed carry holder, as long as nobody knows it's there and it only comes out if it has to, then that I I just don't see it. like I understand where you're coming from. Like my my dad will even carry in church, and people have asked yep. him, like, "Why do you do that?" Well, we're a soft target here, and and I would say at the Masonic Lodge, at least today, where the Tyler is generally just the guy that um, sometimes doesn't even sit there the whole time, or even a lot of times now comes in the lodge room after we're open. Right, but so. If this kind of threat is something your lodge is actually worried about, then maybe it should have a Tyler who's not just a symbolic Tyler. So what if it's something that not the lodge as a whole is worried about, but just the individual brother? And he's welcome to join the Tyler. I mean, being worried about something that the master and the rest of the brethren aren't doesn't give you license to violate the rules of the lodge. It's not a rule, though. It's something it, it that is. where, where is it written? It's not in the constitution. It's not in any obligation. How many of our things are, are already not written like Masonic traditions besides ritual that aren't written. It's just, they've, they're an integral part of the identity of our fraternity. I almost want to say that this one's a landmark, but I don't think it's on the official list. I, and I, I had to look. Because, um, well, it's written down that we can't have alcohol in Lodge, but it's not written down anywhere that we can't have a firearm in a Lodge. And I would say that, you know, a fire a firearm um, is a little bit more dangerous than an, uh, a glass of beer. So why would we write down, why would we write down no alcohol, but n not even mention a firearm, which is the basis of, I mean, it's the Second Amendment. So it's... Because so the reason we wouldn't write it down is the same reason we didn't write down term limits on federal officials. Because why would you have written it down? The people who are writing this stuff wouldn't have even thought of that. Like, why, why would that even come up? At the time, it was inconceivable that anybody would want to do this for more than one term, let alone two. The idea of the career politician was so foreign. So the guys who were pinning our state's constitution... Like the, the weapons and lodge thing was just such an accepted fact that why would it wouldn't even cross your mind to write that down. Like it, it's just it's not even something you thought about. You just don't bring a weapon in the lodge. I mean, you could see this through history in the Civil War lodges that would meet 
sneaking out in the woods today in in Jerusalem the lodge is there a place that's like highly likely to have the kind of crazy terrorist assault rifle three or four guys in mass shooting you all up attack they they don't do it i'm sure the tyler's armed to the teeth and maybe there's more than one of them in detroit with the with the roving gangs and the ruins um in 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 military lodges all over the world like it it's just if those places can handle it i really don't think our I know you call it a somewhat large city, but it, it's really not. Um, no, I know. I really don't think that that we we can't make it work. If it's something that guy's that uncomfortable with, you know, maybe you should volunteer to to sit in for the Tyler. Um, it, <clears throat> okay, so let's let's back it up a step, uh, Harlan. If if there was a guy that was uh, going to your lodge that you knew. Uh, concealed carried, and you tried talking to him, and you know he. Oh, said I know, just, I know someone exactly like this. Go on. He said he was just going to keep doing it anyway. Is there any kind of action you would take, be it you know passive, like you, you would refuse to sit and lodge with him, or would you do nope. something more drastic, so, or would you do anything? The year that the a particular brother this came up, I was the master, and I forbade <laughs> it, and he uh, he didn't come to lodge. I think the next meeting. Or he came but didn't come in, and then eventually he he abided by it. And the advice that was given to him by someone else who's not me, but I advise them to advise him, is you know, look, I like you, and I really don't want to take any kind of not nice steps. So he was given the advice of you know, if you got to do what you got to do to come to lodge, then do it. But for God's sake, don't let Harlan find out. So maybe that's the best advice is if there's any Harlans in your lodge, Scott. Okay, but and, and, uh, it. it's easy to do that when you're the master, but what about if you're just some regular guy? Oh, let's no. Say, I, okay, let's say you're going to visit another lodge. Uh, same scenario. You know there's a guy who, who's going to lodge that night who, who's got a gun on him. Do you, do you do anything? If it's not my lodge, I never do anything. I'm notorious for the win in Rome thing. I've seen Damn some it. stuff that is well, like yeah. blatant you are, you disregard. Are twisting my question, Arlen. No, if I go to another lodge, it's not mine. I'm not going to okay, do. Okay, so let's. Do what it's, they want. it's your it's your lodge again. We're back to your lodge. You're not the master. You're not the secretary or some dude on the sidelines. But yeah, you're a regular guy. You're a guy who's there every week, and you are you. Well, the first thing I would do is I would give you a phone call. And by the time you manage to get off the phone, you would prohibit that guy from owning firearms, period. So when Just you say so you, you, have you to hear me anymore. The master. Uh, and if that didn't work, I, I once upon a time, I would have taken it through the Grand Lodge, and I think I would again today. But we did have a Grand Master uh, in, our, in the previous term who he – was, he was really uncomfortable about this. So he – he was asked this question and he mentioned that no, it's not okay, but you do what your lodge has to do. And what I don't know about doesn't really matter. Wink, wink. Um, because he knew as the grand master, he can't say this is okay. Um, but he also wanted it to be okay. Cause I think he was just one of those guys that can't be without his gun for some reason. So, uh, he's no longer grand master and I'm pretty sure our current grand line officers including the ones coming up also are firmly convinced that this is not okay and uh i really don't think i could ever bring myself 
I, I threaten to all the time. After having sat through a Masonic trial, I don't think I could ever bring myself to actually file charges on anyone because that's just a whole kangaroo process. But uh, over this, this is one of those few things be? I might. What, what, under what charge would it be unmasonic conduct? Correct, which is, which is blatant disregard for the virtues and traditions of our fraternity or however that's worded. In other words, the things that you know you shouldn't do, whether they're written down or not, and you've been told about it and you continue to do it. My hope well, is that the master would just deal with it, right. in which case it's much easier to handle. Um, and I'm reasonably certain in our lodge... I, I don't know about the current master because, you know, he's kind of squirrely. But, uh, you know, the upcoming master is a huge stickler for the rules, as I mentioned. He's never going to be okay with that. The guy after him is an old uh, Vietnam vet. So he says he's really in witness protection. But uh, he knows this, and he's not going to let that fly. And I'm, I'm thinking about the line all the way behind him. It's not really something I'm worried about in my lodge anytime soon. Can I ask you a question, Bruce? Um, uh, absolutely, Tony. I was just actually getting ready to come to you. You've been quiet for the longest uh, that I've ever heard you uh, quiet amount of time since I have known you that you have ever not spoken in, in, in my presence. So please, it's actually I, I agree with Harlan on this. The the weapon has no place inside the holy ground of Lodge. Uh, inside Lodge, it's an escape from the world. It's ex escape from all the ex exterior world into your own kind of cocoon during that period. And to bring weapons in there, uh, to me, just it taints that ground. Like Harlan said, it, 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 it takes away from the magical or the experience or in my opinion. So I don't think weapons should be in lodge, but that being that's, that's neither here nor there for my question to you. You said this guy carries it concealed. Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, per, so, uh, per, reportedly, nobody else in Lodge knows that, that so he's got how, So how do you know if it's truly concealed? Because nobody else has seen it. So did he come up and tell you that I'm carrying a concealed weapon into Lodge? Well, uh, th this wasn't in a Lodge environment that he and I spoke. Okay, he just told you that I, I bring a concealed weapon into Lodge oftentimes. Uh, I mean, sort of. It's just a guy I know, and we were talking about guns one day, and it came up, guns and lodge, and well, kind of we, we took it from there. Here's the issue I have, and if this particular guy is listening to this podcast or does listen to it, he might get offended. Well, I'll, I'll be sure but, and forward this show to okay. him, so, so say here, what you here, would like to say to him. Here's the problem I've had. I am pro almost 100% positive that I have said in many, many lodges, especially in the South when I go down there and and all that with guys that are carrying concealed weapons, but they do it quietly. They do it discreetly and nobody knows that they have a concealed weapon. I actually don't worry about that guy because he, he's, he's not trying to make a show of it. He's not trying to be the, have the hero complex and all that. I'm oh sure, no. It's a it's a huge difference yeah. from from a guy who pretends to be that guy, but then whispers yeah. to, to five other guys there. Hey, I got a gun on me. Exactly. Don't tell anybody. I'm, I'm more concerned about the guy that has that hero complex, or he thinks he's going to sure. save the day, or whatever. Sure. And so he carries it concealed, but 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 keeps his keeps it in such a way that you can see the bulge of it across his shoulder or under his jacket or whatever. That guy doesn't have any business carrying a lodge, a gun in lodge, <laughs> you know, because he's doing it for the I wrong reason. He's, he's the guy that's going to shoot somebody 
Yeah, but and he's the guy that's that's trying to act like he's going to be. Look, if something happens, I got to have this gun so I can save the day. No, well, dude. More than I likely, hope, you're going to be the first guy underneath the table if any shooting starts. I hope you're not yeah. misunderstanding what I was even saying about the, you know being able to defend your brothers if there is an attack. My point is, is that you know, as a Second Amendment advocate and as a law-abiding citizen, and as I, I would like to think as a true and loyal brother, that you know, if something were to go down, you need to be able to be prepared. It's not about. It's not about. In my mind, it's not about hero complex in my mind it's about being but, just simply being prepared so, sure. so and, Scott, and find a way to be prepared but, without sacrificing the ritual integrity of your lodge space i mean that that it's not the holy ground although i i kind of like the way that sounds but it is a sacred space you're creating when you enact the rituals to to open a tiled lodge you're you're cordoning off a part of the universe and yeah. this is this is space for masonic work this is not the rest of the world. Those external threats don't exist in the lodge room. Find ways to, to address and protect and prepare for them outside the lodge room. Right. And what and, you and preserve the integrity of, of that sacred space. Like I can't, but you, you were saying if the guy is so adamant, I think it's two things. I'm a big second amendment guy. I've got a gun that I keep with me when I'm trying almost, you can go into almost any room in my house and I've got something hidden somewhere. Okay. But that's me personally. That's me in my truck. Exactly. That's me personally. Now, once I go into lodge, there's a difference between being prudent and being a gun fetish. You know, and I think sometimes we take the second fetish. fetish. Okay. A gun fetish. That sometimes it just, you, you can cross that line. If you truly are that concerned and you think that, I'm not going to leave my brothers unprotected. Do like Harlan said, and you're going to spend your lodge time in the ante room outside the lodge. In, once you go through that door, through that tiled door, no, there should be no weapons. I'm, I'm not a long knife, not a gun, not anything that can be used as a weapon against your brothers. Nothing offensive and nothing defensive. It's that's just and. Uh, the other thing is is what I'd said earlier that if it's a concealed weapon, it should never even be an issue because the guy nobody's should... nobody's gonna know, right? Right. And that being said, I'm not advocating that that's okay or that's the way to do it no. because it's not. Because even if nobody else knows, and maybe you're not ruining the the ritual integrity for them, you're doing it to yourself and you don't even realize it. Like the the knowledge that I'm armed right now is subconsciously taking away from the sacredness that is that lodge room space too. Cause part of it is not only not being threatened by your brothers in any way, symbolically or otherwise, but also being vulnerable yourself that like, you know, that that's the whole thing in the way that you're received into the lodge, right? That's like the epitome of throwing up your hands in the white flag. Like, you know, I'm putting trust in my new brothers. So, uh, all of that, even even at the subconscious level with the little things that, that you might not even think about, it matters. Um, and I really wish David Riley was here because I'm sure he'd have some way to say this much more eloquently than I do. Um, but it's it, it comes up a lot. Uh, and, and I understand the concerns in this new modern world that we live in because nobody was mass murdering anybody before the 21st century. Um. <laughs> But it, there are ways to deal with that, 
the number one way I've, I've mentioned already, if you're concerned about it, get a Tyler who's not 80 years old and give him a submachine gun and some hand grenades and whatever the hell else you think he's going to need and let him stand outside the door looking like Rambo. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I go by whatever the master says. I go by, you know, I, I personally abide by all the rules. But when Bruce and I were, when Bruce brought this up here, I, you know, it, it really sent a, a twinge down my spine because we're first, there's so many other rules that are written down that we do follow that are, that are not in an obligation. But if this one is so, um, if this one's Masonic charges worthy in your eyes, shouldn't it be known in a, uh, written down status? Because if I brought a can of beer into the lodge, that's my thing. You know, it, it's we. I see where y'all are coming from, obviously, but we're also told to be. Well, I don't know if I can say that either. Um, law-abiding citizens. You have Quiet to visible citizens. Right. Yes. And, In, and outside the lodge, it, it's specifically outside the lodge. You are to be a quiet and peaceable citizen. So not so much quiet in the lodge. No, I mean, you know, out, <laughs> in the dining room, I do a lot of things that I would, would basically ruin my political career if anybody brought a camera. So, um, I believe that. There, there's that. But there, there's other rules that aren't, aren't written down that are still expected to be followed. Like, even though they're not always followed, and, and that's the thing about... I, I really believe in lodge sovereignty. I'm a big uh, lodge federalist, if you will. I mm-hmm. don't like the Grand Lodge dictating everything to everybody. So hold on, Harlan. Let me interrupt you one more time. Let me interrupt you one more time. You saying that though, isn't that going like you are essentially saying the same thing that you push against all the older guys on, because that's the way it's always been done. Right, and I just said that that rings as a hollow argument most of the time, but in this case, there's a reason that it's always been done that way, and it's more than just that's the way it's always been done. There, there really is something to that that sacred space thing that is the lodge um it's it's in our lectures you only hear it passively mentioned because nobody does the small print anymore uh, but if you crack out your and go through the small print, uh there's more of that stuff about why we're not armed and lodge in there um mark that down does that matter oh i thought i didn't know every state had one doesn't every state have a ritual book anyway yeah, but, I'll, I'll, but it's always called that i'll check that up um, okay. I've heard you bleep it before. I yeah, I probably did. So um, <laughs> anyway, you pull that out. That's in there. But there's other things that that aren't written down that everybody just knows too. For example, uh, the idea that the chaplain isn't supposed to deliver a baby Jesus sermon as part of his liturgy. Some chaplains do that, and whatever. If it's not my lodge, do what you want. But it's not supposed to be that way, and that's not written down. But Everybody just knows it. Um, there's, yeah. I've heard it a lot. I've heard that one a lot. Maybe it should be written down, except in our state, if I tried to write it down, I would get eggs thrown at me about this guy hates George Washington and baby Jesus. Uh, <laughs> there, there's the stuff about, uh, you know, the invocation of deity before, before meals. Um, that's not written down, but everybody knows that's just, that's just what you do. Um, 
it's written down that you're supposed to start the meeting that way, but there's nothing about food, but we all just know that that's, that's what you do at some point. Um, there's, there's the stuff about, uh, well, the balloting process was defined. Shoot. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think if there's anything that, that I could, that I could. The balloting process was, was defined here, uh, in the constitution, uh, A long time ago to me, but in Masonic terms, not that long ago. Uh, but prior to that, everybody just knew how that worked. It wasn't written down. It was just the, this is something that's inherent to Freemasonry. It's part of what it is, and everybody just knows that. So it didn't get written down until somebody said, well, it's not written down, so we can do it this other way. And so then it got written down. So my suspicion what? is that this firearm thing, which has never been an issue before, like, recently like in the past decade Mm -hmm. um i i suspect at some point it's going to be written down um i'm actually afraid to bring it up though because of the number of my fellow delegates at grand lodge who don't yes this is this is one of those missing peaches pieces of education in a lot of rural lodges um you know they they're kind of starved for information about the fraternity that they're a part of. And um, it, it, I, I think when you, when you really come to realize at a ritualistic level, like why that's an important thing, uh, it, it dawns on you, at least it did for me. Cause I thought the same thing early on, like, why is that a big deal? Um, back when who was, who was master? It might've even been Jason. Somebody was making a really big deal of it, and I wondered as a new guy, like, why is this a big deal? Um, And then the more I thought about it, the more of a big deal it became to me, uh, because over the years I started to appreciate the sacredness of the lodge space. Um, And it it just, it it is what it is. I I don't really have anything else to say on it. Um, I'm a little concerned in our jurisdiction that if it does get written down, it'll get written down the other way. You can kill two birds with one stone um, if you just, uh, you know, uh, put into the Constitution that we can have alcohol and lodge again. You can't carry a weapon in a building that makes its sales for more than half of. Uh, I love it. It says, yeah. So bring alcohol onto the lodge. You'll stop the guns from coming, and everybody be happy. I love it. So. I knew we had you on here for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with alcohol in the lodge. I I kind of only feel that well, the, I'm uh, not in the lodge room itself. No, no, no. I'm in the building. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, not but during see, the that's meeting. That's just it. Is I'm perfectly comfortable with firearms in the building. <coughs> your big six shooter on the outside or what inside or whatever during that dinner, pancake? after lodge, the pancake breakfast, in the Tyler's room while lodge is going on. The only time this is a problem for me is in the cordoned off space that we create our tiled lodge meeting in. I hear you. Everywhere else, do what you want. You you want to wear your shotgun on your back while we while we eat our our coffee and donuts after the meeting. Great. Don't really Fair care. Enough. Fair um, enough. It's just that particular space at that particular time. Uh, otherwise, I I'm all about you know liberty and firearms and doing what you want. Uh, sure, sure. Well, I understand so, too. I understand where you're coming from, and you know, 
um, when, when it comes to the alcohol thing too, I, I kind of think that uh, the reason why we don't have that in uh, Blue Lodges today isn't because of the Prohibition era. It's because of the shrine. Oh, today, yes. Uh, if if lodges could go back to pre-Morgan Prohibition and all of that stuff, I often wonder what would become of the shrine. Oh, yeah. Since the sole reason for existing, at least initially, was that. Well, I mean, they got together drinking after lodge, and, and they yep. got to thinking, hey, let's do something with our time, and then they did the shrine. So, what well, was that doctor that was meeting people for lunch? And I'm pretty sure they weren't, uh, they were having some mimosas or whatever with their sandwich. Sure, sure. Uh, doctor, what was that guy's name? I always forget. I don't remember either. Anyway, but yeah, I'm he started all that with his, his lunch mimosa club. I don't have enough time for Shriner Club. I don't either. I'm Shriner not a Shriner. Uh, I thought about it recently, <laughs> actually. Our, uh, our, our new maintenance guys are, are working on slowly persuading me. I may do it one day. Um, but as of yet, I am still not a Shriner. So, yeah. Can, can we shift gears for just a second? Because I did want your guys' assistance. That's the uh, main reason I'm hanging around. Make oh, it quick, okay. Tony, because we are well over time here. Okay, really quick. I have an Xbox 360. Oh my! All God. right. Thank you for listening to episode number 110. Go ahead. Is that bad? No, no it's just go on. old. We're not your tech support. Oh, okay. Can we can we do it after after the show? Sure. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and anyway, I bought some game. I got these games for it. Like so. So that's a no, Harlan. Metal go Gear. On. Is Xbox 360, is it that old, really? Because I bought it a long time no, ago and no, just never messed with it. Not, no, the point's no, not no, that no. it's old. Fine. I will happily answer whatever question you have, but if it's not something that our listeners are concerned with, we're going to okay. wrap it up. Okay, wrap it up. Then I can't play any of the games on it because it's it's like hard. Uh, it's not like Mario Brothers and stuff. So. Oh, no, I can't help you with that. Uh, yeah. I don't actually own an Xbox. I got no tips. Okay. Um, I'm too busy playing Civilization and blowing up Gandhi and whatnot. Dude, need to come play Overwatch with Bruce and I. Oh, I did learn something this week, and it's video game and programmer stuff, and it's nerdy as hell, but I'm going to share it because I laughed my ass off. So I knew for the longest time, I've been playing Civilization like since as long as I can remember. And that whole time, Gandhi, like the character Gandhi, is always like the biggest asshole in the entire game. If you ever played Civilization, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. And you're like, why is Gandhi such a jerk? Like, you know, he's he's there, he's trading with you, and then you're doing something, and Germany's moving up on your border, so you're rationing troops over there because you're worried about them. And then just out of nowhere, like, here comes a nuke from Gandhi and, and just takes you out. And you're like, well, what? Uh, and, and it's I know that it's been a running joke amongst the developers that they do this on purpose. This week I found out why. So in the first Civilization game, the artificial intelligence engine was really primitive. And it had all of these variables that the programmers would assign to the different leaders for different characteristics like, uh, you know, aggressiveness, expansionists, you know, military versus science and so on. And they were all these numerical values. So to make Gandhi realistic, they set his aggressiveness characteristic to the lowest possible value. So they made it negative 255. Well, if you remember in the era of, I guess, 16-bit computers, anyway, 
if you're familiar with the way computers work, if you take the minimum value you can have and you subtract one from it, it becomes the maximum value. So when you would do a, dip, a diplomacy thing with Gandhi, like you would start a trade route or whatever it may be, the AI would lower his aggressiveness towards you. So it would lower the aggressiveness by one, which would then make it 255. That's and that's awesome. Why, that's why he was such a psychopath. Like he was so nice until he just snapped and started destroying you. And that was, that was in the day before everybody was connected to the internet and like online updates and whatnot. So once the game was out, you know, it's out. Like you bought it at a box in a box at the store and installed it on your computer. So it's not like something they could release a fix for, like what would happen with a game today. Patches back so, then sucked too. Yeah. Like you had so to go it, to the developer's website and download it, and then sometimes it, you had to also download an installer for it. Now, this is such a that kind of error is such a rookie, like like laughable mistake when programmers make it. And and it happens. Like I make errors like that all the time when I'm writing code. Uh, but for it to make it to a big major game production release like that's a big deal. And I think this guy got made fun of so hard, but then like the, the fan response, it, it just became like a legend with this game. So every civilization game since the first one, Gandhi has had this like schizophrenic crazy ass personality, but it's been on purpose. Like now the developers make him that way on purpose. And it all harkens back to that first game where Gandhi was like a schizophrenic asshole. That's awesome. Well, uh, a point to be made here is you didn't have time to talk about my game. The show was yeah. running long, but oh, let's talk for the next fifteen minutes on civilization. Right. Well, but it, it's a funny story. Like a lot of our <laughs> listeners are are programmers and IT people and nerds, and and they would appreciate why that is hilarious. What specifically would you like to talk about in your game, Tony? Uh, how to play it. Okay, so Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> what you want to do is you want to press Square to crouch. And then when you're crawling, the guys can't hear you. That's how you sneak up on them, and then you stand up behind them, and you can either knock them unconscious or break their neck. There's too much well, going on. I, I like like Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario Brothers. When I load this stuff up, I mean, it's amazing, the graphics and stuff. Well, maybe but, don't buy a game gotta... that says tactical and espionage in the title. That's true. Yeah, uh, You hey, should probably well, get like a, uh, a Nintendo Wii yeah, that's, that's it has a mean. lot of the kind of games you're looking for. Next time you guys have me on, I'll have to talk to you about my super secret Mason Ninja training um, putting Bruce through. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it's, um, it's super secret. That's... Well, it is. And super, Bruce though. Is Bruce is going to become our, our enforcer next year, so he'll be the guy that okay. sneaks yeah. up on you so, at night. So, and... so no guns. How do you feel about ninja stars in the lodge, Arlen? Ninja stars? <laughs> no, no ninja stars. Oh! But, what but about you shouldn't need the ninja star in the lodge. You're, you're a freaking ninja. Like, aren't I'll your hands, you. like, deadly weapons? And Exactly. What if I'm so well-trained in my hands, I have to, like, the, you know, what, what, well, whatever that somebody, thing that guys, lethal somebody, hands have to sign. Do, do I have to, like, wear mittens when I come into lodge? Yes. <laughs> Somebody's going to sit through the meeting with their hands in their pocket. That's <laughs> Just sit on your hands. Yes. The whole way through. Uh, and when it comes time for like those those parts where we're illustrating, where I need my hands, things, yes. uh, you just kind of sit that one out. And my hands are asleep because I'm otherwise, on them you know, for you'll raise your hands and then everybody will scatter in panic. Just start doing the you know the spirit fingers. There you go. Yeah, don't don't do that. All right, All well, right good luck with your uh, with your ninja stuff. So we got lodge this weekend. Anything fun and exciting happening? Everybody's gonna nag me about fair numbers. 
if you can just tell them ahead of time. I don't have them. But oh, dude, you messed up the other day when you already told like four or five people on Slack that you would have those numbers Saturday. You know you did that, right? Did I? You totally did that. Oops. Well, I never, <laughs> I never have the numbers because I'm always waiting on the food guy. Uh, last year, he got us our check in like December. Hmm. So that was a thing. He promised me it wouldn't be December this year, but I don't know what that means. It could be November. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna have numbers if you could let them know, cause just tell them they're bad and Harlan doesn't want to talk about it. I'll, I mean, I'll do what I can, but typically the way that interaction works in our lodge, Harlan is when I tell them something they don't like, they go to you. It is, so it is that I, mommy, that's, that's not going to work here. Thing that happens a lot. Um, and to be fair, I know that, that you masters of our lodge, uh, have this thing that like, I somehow circumvent you. You would be surprised the number of times I ask people, did you talk to Bruce about this? Uh-huh. And what did he say? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> is it the only person that can remove you from an office? Uh, Harlan is the grandmaster himself. Correct. Bruce and I are irremovable. Right. Except for the Grandmaster, he can remove us. But, yeah, nobody else. Right. Once you elect the Secretary or the Master, you're stuck with them till the next election. Absolute power. Because by the time the Grandmaster gets around to, you know, removing them, it's already election time anyway. So, yes, for a year, Bruce, we are untouchable. Fantastic. Wish you would have told me that six months ago. Yeah, I usually let you in on these things as it gets closer to the end of the year. He's going to start then, telling me like all the super awesome stuff like the first meeting in December, y'all. Yep, that's what I do to everybody. I don't I don't want you to know that in January. Of course not. He's going to be like, by What's the way, the you, could, you, you could have been doing this all year. I'm like, oh, I did, I did tell bitch. you about the master's discretionary fund. I told mm, you that's, well, yes. yeah, that's, that's a thing. That's in the bylaws. You get $25 to allocate to a needy brother of your choice. Uh, hey, uh, Bruce. <laughs> um, I feel real needy right now. Uh, I'm sorry. That money is already earmarked to buy Tony a Super Nintendo so that <laughs> yes. he can play some games. Dude, for real, though, they're actually putting out the Super Nintendo again, just like they did the classic NES. Yep. I want it so bad. Why don't you just buy, like, a regular one? Super Nintendo? Yeah. They don't make them anymore, dude. Yeah, that, like eBay, man. Oh, but this one comes with all the games preloaded on it. I don't have to buy games. Or you oh. can just buy a Raspberry Pi. Make yeah, you can do that. Machine and put all the but, video game ROMs on it, and then you'll have everything. I did that. But I then my daughter played. can't play exactly the way I played, except with car- without cartridges. No, you can't. You get you get a, a the, broken the, Super Nintendo. You unscrew it. You got to blow in it. <laughs> I was going to say, the cartridge is not working. We're half the fun. <laughs> You gotta yeah. pop the cartridge out and blow in it, and then that doesn't work. So you gotta blow in the machine. Sometimes oh. that works. Sometimes it here's the hard. thing: Is any of those cartridges with save batteries? Yeah, exactly. Your anymore. your saves get erased. Mm. Yeah, none of them are gonna work now. Like the lifetime on those batteries is like ten years. They're all dead. Right, Harlan. Uh, as a computer guy uh, on a technical end, what did blowing on the? I blew on many a cartridge. What did blowing on the cartridges actually accomplish? Because it worked. So, uh, so what's the technical so deal there? realistically um in most cases it, it didn't do anything but make you feel better um 
it's possible that so much dust would build up on there that like it might have interfered with something. But most of the time, it, it was just a psychological thing. So when you plug the, the cartridge, the, the metal in the I'm sorry. There's these these copper contacts inside the cartridge, and then the copper contacts inside the console. When you plug it in, like the contacts would touch each other. Well, if it didn't work and you didn't have a good connection, you would pull it out and you'd blow on it, and then you would put it back in. Well, what would really be happening is when you put it back in, whatever was misaligned would be aligned right the next time, and then it would work. Um, and then if it didn't, you'd take it out and blow it on again, and then you'd put it in. But really, it was most of the time it was the act of taking the cartridge out and reseeding it that fixed your problem. Uh, but the blowing the dust thing out made people. I don't. I, I don't know. At the time, I thought it was. It worked. You know, you got to get all the dust out. Yeah. But really, there was never any dust. Well, Harlan, too, though. I mean, I can't really take your word on that because you're wearing your uh, Masonic ring backward. No, I'm not. And we've had our <laughs> argument for the show. We'll have to come back next week and talk about why that is also wrong. Oh, this is fun. My squaring and, and uh, or wait, what were we call my squaring caddishes um, are are on correctly. We are the caddishes. Uh, Good time. I don't have anything else. I was I just wanted to share my Civ story. Sorry, that spun out of control, Bruce. Um. I guess I'll see you guys on Saturday. Scott, are you coming? Uh, Lodge, probably not, but I am going to the birthday party. Okay. Well, if you do come, then, uh, you know, don't bring your gun. And uh, my, yeah. uh, hey, and when in Rome, right? Uh, yes. And in Rome, we will cut your hands off. Fair enough. Well, um, outside the no. lodge room with a Tyler sword. I've got family you've seen coming. that thing. It's dull and rusty. You don't want to go through that. Right. No, I, uh, legitimately, though, this Saturday, I've got family coming to town. So that's happening. Great. My wife's, wife's out of the family. Oh, even better. Well, thanks for uh, for coming and hanging out with us. Um, yeah, yeah it was fun. You coming on, Scott. Yeah. yeah. It was good to have the gang all back and, you know, the fair pressure off for a little bit. Temporarily. So, uh, Hopefully we'll do another show next week because we've been on averaging like every two to three weeks for the past month or so. Mm. Um, not, oh, not yeah, just give me a ring, man. I'm anytime. Uh, as long as I get the, uh, the all clear. All right. Well, um, good luck. Enjoy your baby. And, oh, yeah. uh, we will talk to you later. Thanks a lot, man. Anybody else got anything? No, sir. If not, then uh, that is all for episode 167 of the After Lodge podcast, following on the hills of the great deluge that was our city fair. You can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. You can not find us on Facebook or Twitter anymore. We really need to fix that. Shoot us an email at afterlodge@gmail.com. I would say you could leave us a voicemail, but I got the notice from Google today that our uh, our voice line has been terminated so that's not a thing either what kind of show are you running here Bruce uh, hang out with us on IRC where you can always catch the link to the live stream whenever we randomly decide to record which is usually Tuesday or sometimes Wednesday night at irc.snoonet.org pound sign Freemasonry 
And of course, the best place to find us is on the wild, wild, unregulated west that is the Freemasonry and Afterlife subreddit. So get on Reddit, and we will see you next week, brothers.